Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Today we are talking about re-gifting. Praise God. Started this last week talking about the gift that God gave to us. Praise God, the gift of eternal life. Praise God. Aren't you glad for God's gift? Praise God. Now, you know, there, there's been a whole lot of jokes that have been made. Now, I'm not going to tell a joke, okay? All right, but uh, there have been a lot of jokes that have been made about re-gifting. And, uh, uh, you know, do you re-gift? Is it proper to re-gift? Is it not proper to re-gift? You know, uh, and... Uh, I think we all understand the terms, you know, somebody gives you a gift and it's something that, you know, later on you turn around and you give that gift to someone else, okay? Um, let me begin today with this. James chapter 1, verse number 17, says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Now, we usually think of re-gifting in the terms of, you know, well, if somebody gives you an ugly tie, then you give it to somebody else. Because you're never going to wear it. You know, that, that kind of thing. They give you uh, something that is the... The ugly sweater contest, you know, and so you you give that ugly sweater to someone else because you're not going to wear it, and uh, something that you don't really want or like, or you know, somebody brings you a fruit cake for Christmas, you know, so you pass that fruit cake on along at the office party, and. Uh, Okay, I said I wanted to tell jokes, so y'all took me seriously, y'all. But, uh, you know, the, God didn't give a bad gift. God didn't give you fruitcake. You know, God gave you a good and perfect gift. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation, no shadow of turning. You know, and I put it like this last week. I said, God is not uh, dangling the carrot on a stick out in front of you that you can never get to, you can never reach. You can No, He gave you a gift, and He wants you to have the gift. He wants you to take hold of that, and He wants you to possess it, and He wants you to enjoy it. But it's also... 
his desire that you re-gift it. But see, here's the deal with God's gift. You can re-gift it and still keep it. Praise God. Isn't that amazing? You know, he gave this gift that, that you can receive and enjoy it to its fullest and yet re-gift it. Praise God. And he wants you to re-gift what he's given you. Romans chapter 6, verse number 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. He wants you to be a giver of eternal life. He gave you a gift that you can pass along, and the more you pass it along, the more you enjoy it. The more you pass it along, the more benefit you get from it, because that's what it was intended to do. You know, anybody ever heard of those uh, uh, sourdough bread or something like that, that you, you make a starter for it? And then you keep giving it to people, but you, but you still have it. You give it to them, and they use it as a starter, and they make some bread, and then they give some to someone else, and, you know, and it just continues to, to go. Anybody ever have one of those? One of the, yeah. And does it work? It works. Yeah, you take a little bit of that, and you give it, and it grows and, you know, they make bread, and they give some to someone else, and it grows. And, you know, th this is the way God's gift is. He gave you a gift, and you take the gift he gave to you, and you pass it on to someone else. You give it to them, and it begins to grow in their life, and they take it and pass it on. And this thing just continues to grow. And yet, you gave it away, but you still have it. Praise God. Praise God. Um, in 1 John chapter 4, verse number 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And then we know what John 3.16 says, For God so loved that he gave. He so loved the world that he gave. So he gave us this love. Beloved, let us love one another. Why? Because God, who is love, loved you. And as he gave you his gift of love, you know, the Bible tells us this. It says that God has translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of of his dear son. One translation states that like this. It says, he's translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. Now, I like that because I started meditating the son of his love. What exactly does that mean? You know, and I'm meditating on this and I'm thinking son of his love, son of his love. Well, the son of means that it is the offspring of, Right? All right, so Pastor Jason is the son of Pastor Daniel. 
And that means he's the offspring of me. And so um, that, that means that, you know, he came from me. All right? God is love, and Jesus is the son of his love. Jesus is the offspring of his love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Praise God. You see how that, how that works? He is the he translated us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Well, he is love. He has given us his love and gave us his love gift. And now, praise God, he's asking us to pass that gift along to others. Praise God. You see, you know, I was thinking one day out of John chapter 6, and I encourage you to read Read John 6 and, and read it over and over and over again because it is so packed with great stuff, great stuff. I mean, as all of God's Word is, of course. But, but John 6 is really packed with some great things. And Jesus there is, is talked about and referred to as being um, the, um, the Word He's talked about being the bread of life. And, you know, as you receive the bread of life, Jesus said this. He said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And then he goes on and he said, but, you know, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And so when we receive God's Word, when we receive Jesus, the Word of God made flesh that dwelt among us, see, as, as long as, and here's, here's the thing I was thinking about that, Jesus is the Word of God, He is the Logos of God, the word Logos from the Greek is an exact representation of something. It is a, uh, uh, a, an emblem of, a representation of that says, you know, if you look over here on this wall, we've got three logos that say something about who we are as a church. When you look at that, on the left you see a Bible on there, and you look at the middle one and you see a family on there, and you look at the one on the right and you see the, the world on there. And that started out many, many years ago uh, with, with my pastor, David Emai. He said, we are a family church, a word fellowship, and an outreach of love. We, you know, we, we kind of condensed that and said it in a little different way. We said all the word to all the family to all the world. Kind of the, the, the same essence. Of, but though, those symbols say something about who we are. Jesus came into this world as the Word of God made flesh. The Logos or Logo of God made flesh and dwelling among us. But see, here's the thing. Many people still see Jesus as a baby in a manger. Many people, you know... He, he's still in the manger. In, in their minds, he's still in the manger. And in the manger, Jesus didn't really impact our lives all that much. 
Then Jesus began to grow, and he grew up, and, you know, we see him, the next time we see Jesus, we see him at about 12 years of age, and Bible says of him that he increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man, then that doesn't really impact us all that much. We just, you know, he's, he's a boy growing up. Then we see Jesus begin his earthly ministry. And we see Jesus in his earthly ministry, you know, he's teaching the people. He's, he's uh, uh, telling them about the gospel of the kingdom. He's, he's going around preaching and doing good. He's working miracles. And we think, oh, now he's impacting our lives because, you know, Jesus worked miracles. But here's the problem. To many people, he's, he was walking the shores of Galilee, but he's gone now. He's not here anymore. You know, he, he's not with us anymore, so that really, you know, it, it would have been nice to, wouldn't it have been great to walk with Jesus? And that's how many people think about it. Wouldn't it have been great to walk with Jesus? But you want to know how Jesus really made the greatest impact in our lives? is when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and then we took of His flesh and His blood, and it became a part of us. See, here's where Jesus made the impact in our lives, is when He became a part of us. And Jesus said this. He said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Now, when he goes in that passage right there, that verse right there where he says, the words that I speak to you, he uses a different word for words. Prior to that, he had used the word logos. The logos came and dwelt among us. And now he changes and he uses a different word. We still translate it words in English. But in the Greek, it was two different words. He said, the Logos became flesh and dwelt among us. And then he said, the rhema that I speak unto you it is spirit and it is life. You see, here's the deal. As long as Jesus was the Logos, really didn't change our world all that much. Unless you happen to be there when Jesus was preaching, when Jesus was healing the sick, if you were there at that time, then it had a great impact on your life. But other than that, for us today, you know, 2,000 years removed from that, what impact does it have on our life? It has impact on our life because the rhema that I speak unto you it is spirit and it is life. Just like he called himself in John 6, he called himself the bread come down from heaven. Well, how many know that bread can sit on your dining room table and dry up and mold and you throw it in the trash can and haul it to the dump? Unless you decide to eat it. It does you no good unless you eat it. Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. So he said, you, you, you know, you, you take 
of me. I am the bread come down from heaven. You take it and you receive it on the inside of you. And the Holy Spirit begins to do something with the words that Jesus spoke. He begins to turn them into, turn Logos into Rhema. Praise God. Just like that loaf of bread, when you eat that, your body begins to do something chemically to it and begins to transform that and change it into life-giving nutrition. As long as it's sitting on the table, as long as it is flesh, it profits you nothing. That's what Jesus said. The words, he said, uh, you know, it, it, it profits you nothing except you eat it except you take it in, except you receive it, it profits you nothing. But the words that I speak to you, the rhema that I speak to you, is spirit and is life. See, Jesus is not in a manger anymore. Jesus is not walking the shores of Galilee anymore. He's not going around doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Was is the key thing there. He went about, past tense, doing good and healing all that were oppressed. You say, well, he's not doing that anymore. You see, Jesus, you got to hang with me here because I'm going to say something that might be a shock to some of you, that Jesus is not healing anymore. Jesus went to the cross and he provided healing for your body and then he made you an administrator of it. Praise God. He went back to heaven and now you are an administrator. Jesus is not going to is not going to walk in here today and have a healing line. But Jesus is in me. Jesus is in you by the person of the Holy Spirit. And now here's the thing. The Apostle Paul wrote this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So there was a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, but he grew up. He went and died on a cross. He rose again from the dead, and he went back to heaven. But he gave unto you a gift, a gift of eternal life, a gift of righteousness. And now he tells you, go into all the world and give this gift away. Praise God. When, when Christ is in you, it's the hope of glory. Now, that's great that Christ is in you, the hope of glory, but he's not just the hope of glory for you. Christ in you is the hope of somebody else's glory, too. Just like that little bit of dough that you gave away. Somebody who has it has to give it. You get that with the, with the bread? Somebody who has that dough, that starter, has to give it. Or nobody else can have it. Jesus gave it to you 
And now, in order for somebody else to have it, you have to give it. We've got a world that needs a starter. We've got a world that needs a little bit of dough of the bread of life. So you ate the bread, you made the bread, you ate the bread, it became life sustenance to you. But now he says, now go and give this starter to someone else, praise God, so they can make some bread and they can eat this bread and they can have life in them too. We've got to re-gift. Praise God. Now, get this. Romans chapter 5, verse number 6. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, here's the deal. These people, we say, well, you know, they're, they're ungodly people. They're, they're not interested in God. Well, that's who Jesus died for. It's ungodly. Jesus didn't die for godly people. He died for ungodly people, which you were, by the way. Until you ate this bread of life, until you received this bread, if, until you received Jesus in you, the life of Jesus in you, you were ungodly. He died for the ungodly. Praise God. So don't say, well, you know, but, but you know, those are bad people. Well, if you hadn't encountered Jesus... You might be worse. Praise God. Praise God. Now, get this. In John chapter 3, verse number 17, we quoted John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Now we get to verse 17, and notice this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Now he tells us what he didn't do. And if he didn't do it, then why should I do it? If he didn't do it, then this is not the gift he wants me to give. He wants me to give away the gift that he gave me. He did not come to condemn me. So if he did not come to condemn me, he didn't call me to condemn someone else. Praise God. This is why the Apostle Paul wrote, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation. You see, the gift is not condemnation. You know, isn't it amazing how the devil has messed us up in the thinking that when we condemn somebody, we're actually preaching the gospel? How did we ever get that so confused? The word gospel means good news. Jesus said, go preach the gospel, so I will go out and condemn people. How messed up is that? You know, Jesus didn't come. See, the Bible tells us we're to be imitators of him. He didn't come to condemn the world. If he wanted the world condemned, he could have very well, he had a right to condemn the world. 
There, there was nobody else that had a right like Jesus had. You know, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. He's the only one that was there without sin, and he didn't cast the stone. He's the only one that had a right to condemn the world, but he didn't. God did not send him to condemn the world. If, you know, Jesus came into this world, he, he had a right to condemn the world, but that's not what he was sent to do. That's not what the Father sent him to do. And Jesus said, I can only do what I see my Father do. Well, let me tell you, you can only do what you see Jesus do. The one who sent you, whatever they did, that's what you can do. That's what you have a right to do. That's what you are qualified to do. You're only qualified to go into the world and do what Jesus did. So, Jesus didn't come into this world to condemn the world because that's not what he was sent to do. You see, the, Jesus gave, he came and gave the gift of no condemnation. Remember the woman that was caught in the act of adultery? And Jesus made this statement to her, you know, when all the accusers, they had uh, declined to cast a stone because they weren't qualified to cast a stone, and so they, they all left. And Jesus and the woman are the only ones that are left there. And Jesus says, where are your accusers? She said, I don't have any. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. You see, the law condemned her. Jesus said, I don't condemn you. Why couldn't Jesus condemn her? Because Jesus wasn't sent to condemn the world. He didn't come into the world to bring condemnation. But he came into the world to bring salvation. The gift of salvation, this gift of salvation from, saved from condemnation. Praise God. Praise God. So why do we think we should be condemning people? Our gift is not the gift of condemnation. It's the gift of no condemnation. That's what we saw Jesus do. So if we can only do what we saw Jesus do, then we need to be given the gift of no condemnation. Praise God. He says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Do you realize that the people who have not believed upon Jesus they don't need you to condemn them because they're condemned already because they don't believe. So they need you to give them this same gift that you received, re-gift to them, no condemnation. Praise God. They have to hear. They have to hear. That's why Jesus sent us into the world. Praise God. Romans chapter 4, verse number 5. But to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. 
John chapter 3, verse number 18 says, He who believes in him is not condemned. Praise God. You say, well, how am I giving them, you know, how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? So he said, they got to believe. So where does your gift to them come in? Where, where does that come in? You got to make sure they hear so they can believe. They can't believe in what they haven't heard. So when we tell them the good news that Jesus has come to give you the gift of eternal life, to give you the gift of righteousness, then they have something to believe. And when they believe, then he says they will not be condemned. He who believes is not condemned. Praise God. But they're condemned because they don't believe, but they can't believe because they haven't heard. You know, so many in, in our world today, they've heard something that has been called gospel, but according to God's word, it's really not gospel. They've heard a message, not the gospel. They've heard a message of condemnation. They've heard a message of, you know, God don't like what you're doing. God don't like that. God hates that. God God's against this. This is, you know, and, and, and that's all they've heard. They haven't heard any good news. They haven't heard that if you believe upon the Lord Jesus... He who believes is not condemned. Praise God. For God so loved the world that it, now here's the thing. Romans or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says this. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So what does love do? Love stirs up. Love stirs up. Praise God. Stirs up love. And when love is stirred up, it produces good works. Praise God. John chapter, oh, excuse me, no, that's not what I want. Romans chapter 8, verse number 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Wow, what a powerful verse. He didn't spare Jesus. Jesus was the best gift. The, the best gift that could ever be given. And that verse tells us that if he didn't spare Jesus, 
He didn't hold Jesus back. He gave us the very best gift that he had. And with him, he freely gives us all things. Praise God. Praise God. So when we re-gift Jesus, God's gift that was given to you, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger, grew up, went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him, went to the cross, died on the cross, rose again from the dead, and has ascended back into heaven. You see, it was that it started with the gift in the manger. But when we begin to unwrap the gift and all that is with the gift, what all was with the gift? Healing for your body. Peace for your life. Provision, sustenance, what came with the gift? Joy, peace. What came with the gift? All things that pertain to life and godliness. Didn't say just godliness. Some people think it only be, pertains to godliness. There's all things that pertain to life and godliness. It all can, and as you begin to unwrap the baby that was wrapped in the manger in swaddling clothes, and you begin to unwrap what's in that gift, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? It was all right there. And now he has moved on the inside of you. And now he says Christ in you is the hope of glory. Not just for you, but the hope of someone else's glory. But you got to re-gift. Got to pass the gift along. Praise God. The gift, God with us. The gift of no condemnation. The gift of peace with God. The gift of joy in your heart. The gift of love. The gift of peace. Regift. Praise God. Father, we thank you today for the eternal gift of your Son, whose purpose in our hearts is to give away what you've given to us. We purpose in our hearts, Father, to re-gift your gift to us because there's a world that needs the gift. Father, we thank you. If you're here in this room today or if you're watching me online, and you have never received Jesus Christ, the gift 
that was given to you. I stand in here today to re-gift something to you. Praise God. And all you have to do is receive it. We talked last week that, you know, we don't try to earn the gift because we could never earn this gift. But I'm here to re-gift something to you. And it's a free gift. All you have to do is believe what I'm telling you. And if you will believe what I'm telling you and acknowledge what you believe with your mouth, then you will receive the gift of eternal life. Praise God. Offering that today. Just say this with me. Let's, if you believe what I'm saying, just say this after me. The God in heaven, I thank you for the gift that you gave when you gave your son. I thank you that he went to the cross and he paid for all of my sins and he rose again from the dead so I could have this gift of eternal life. And now, Father, I call you Father because I believed upon you and that makes you my Father. So I receive the gift that you're offering I choose Jesus to be my Lord, to be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you, and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love with you.